<laughs> Look, squirrel. <laughs> squirrel! <laughs> what is the mountain room, Rory? The mountain room, what is that? Well, I think we're going to talk about adventure. I'm a trail runner. I'm Xavier Boom, and I'm a photographer. Content creators, that's, that's what we do. You're going to have to concentrate to not actually only talk to runners. Showcasing adventure these days. Right. Mountain room is going to be a showcase for, for outdoor and adventure in South Africa. What is up, everyone? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Mountain Room Podcast. Yeah, episode 11. Episode 11. Last week, we last episode, we chatted to Andrew King yeah, um, about awesome. his filmmaking processes and his storytelling. And, and adventure racing. Just all around good, good vibes with Andrew. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us on the last one. Yeah, for everyone that listened to our previous podcast, thank you so much. If this is your first time, welcome. Um, we really appreciate your attention. Um, if you're looking for any previous episodes, just head on over to the tmr.media website. All our content is on there. And even easier is on Apple Podcast and just search The Mountain Room. You'll find us there. And remember to hit subscribe so subscribe. You, don't, you don't miss any of our episodes. Yeah. To our regulars, thank you so much. We really appreciate your support and comments. And Yeah, the, so- the support's been amazing. It has. Like Even we, we just came back from an event and there were like random people that talked to us. They never used to speak to us before. I know. It's because we're pretty awkward. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. you, and, you, and you're kind of famous. No. Not, no. okay. Well, that was quick. Not as famous as Tony McCann, who just smashed a third place at the final. That was on fire. Wow. Uh, you know what? We can have a whole episode on the Otter. But, uh, the event I was talking about, by the way, for everyone wondering, was the Otter trail run. Gosh. That was... Yeah. We had yeah we had top ten ladies and top ten men in the Golden Ser- Trail series, a series that ran year long, and they all came down to our coastline. And we got to race against them on our home soil. And even you, even me, yeah, yeah even you did really well. E- exciting sprint finish there between Robbie Rorick and myself. He did put me at the post, but I'm happy to say we both came in under the old SA record time. And Christian Curling, all three of us were in the top ten of the final, as well as going under old record. So um, that is amazing. Really, really. Yeah. I think the most exciting thing was actually just running with people that I've been following for years. Like Sage Canada, we ran together for a good chunk of the race and we I got to chat to him. He's such a nice... Actually, all of them, all those internationals are such nice guys. So let me tell you, it was quite funny because I know you follow Sage like a lot. Yes. And we're always talking about him and like his road marathons and everything he does. And so I was on three spots on the route that I got to go and take photos and you came past me three times and every time you come past and then just right after that sage comes comes past and i'm like yes we're <laughs> always beating sage <laughs> yeah um and it was cool to watch i can imagine it had to be so 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 awesome to run with all those people it was i think it obviously made a difference having that level of athletes here that pushed you guys 100 percent. to have to have three people go so three south africans that have done this race before all three of us christian's done it seven or eight times Johnny's Robbie and myself have both done it three times and to have have us just be pulled along like that by this because of the level of competition is so, so much better. And this is what I go back to saying in my podcast episode about CCC is we need to up the level of competition in South Africa. We need to get all the athletes, all the top athletes competing against each other in the same races, not people spreading out across the country on the same weekend. Yeah. You find the point. fast names that are at a race and... You should want to go and see how you compete against them. If you come fourth or fifth in a race that is so stacked, that's better than coming first in a race that has no competition. Yeah, that, uh, that's true. But that's 
that's a run for, for guys i wish you could serious. see rory's face now you get super serious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is well you know what that that's worth noting uh, i think maybe that's a podcast episode in the future for sure yeah i have a, i have a lot to say about that i know you do maybe we should get some other people in the mix you know what we should do we should actually get like six mics get a whole bunch of people to talk about just have a conversation about about general trail yeah so if anyone's keen to have have a conversation about this please send us a message we're really excited and i think it'll do wonders for the trail community not that it's a bad community it's a great community no it can't hurt to have a little bit more competition yeah it's just better for everyone i guess they're way better for everyone yeah Um, i think this week this otter was testament to what just a little bit of is it pressure maybe not pressure what do you call it that competitive spirit just came out in everyone. And you guys just fired on all cylinders. It was amazing to watch. Yeah. I was shooting photos. That was really cool. And Meg and Robin also, two other ladies in the top 10. Yeah. That, yeah. It was we're just guys. a good day. You know, we can go on forever. Yeah, about don't that. listen to what anybody says about South Africans. We're, we're as yeah. good, if not better, than some of the Europeans and Americans. No, well, yeah. we had the top 10 here, and you guys yeah. mixed so, it up right there. No, this, yeah. that's not even a question. Yeah. Anyway, this episode has nothing to do with um, <laughs> the otter. Um, it actually has to do about Damien Schumann. Yes. Damien. It is Schumann, right? Schumann, yes. It's the opposite of my surname. Everyone calls me Schäfer, but it's Schäfer. And I'm sure everyone ever calls him Schumann, but it's Schumann. I'm sk- he's sh. Uh, okay. Yes. Make a note. Make a note, people. Okay. Damien did something incredible, and that was he traversed the entire Cape Fold mountain range. Um, starting in the Cedarberg. It was in the Cedarberg, which is, if you don't know, if you're looking at a map of South Africa, it's kind of, was that northwest on the west coast? Mm. And then he went all the way across the Cape Falls, which a lot of people would know the Rim of Africa hiking trail, which goes kind of along the base of it. He went directly across it, the top, the section where people think you can't go. Yeah. That's 1,200 kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> Of big, big mountains and... yeah, Starting in the Cedarberg and he ended in Utenhag at Grindal Nature Reserve, um, just outside Port Elizabeth. Yeah. Why did I, did I just say northwest? No, it's not northwest. It's southwest. No, it's northwest. It's not in the top corner. It's in the bottom. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, guys, just search Cedarberg. Um, if you're looking for an adventure racing teammate that can read a map, it's neither of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we failed at that before. Okay. Anyway, it was really nice talking to Damien. He was like really inviting and open about his adventure and engaging. And um, it was really just a fun conversation. This ended up being our longest podcast ever, even longer than, than Andrew. And it was legitimately for a good reason. It's because we had a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, yeah, It wasn't like very technical. It yeah, it's actually, we actually kind of had to cut him a bit short because um, it could have gone on for a lot longer and I'm sad it didn't, but... He really encapsulated the whole essence of his 1,200-kilometer trip in an hour and 20 minutes. Um, yeah, so it's not something you're going to have to sit through. It's something that you're going to want to wish didn't end and actually was a lot longer because there's so many more questions we could have asked him. There's so much more information he could have given. Exactly. Um, it was a super inspiring and exciting trip that he embarked on, and he actually kind of he lived it for a year beforehand. So it wasn't just the event that he... Um, embarked on it was actually he kitted or he stuck up posters of maps all around his apartment and flooded his house with maps and just immersed himself in this event that he wanted to take on and yeah this was a huge project i think that's one thing people don't know 
is that Damien has been planning this for a very long time and it wasn't just filling his flat with, with maps and then heading out the door. He literally went out and wrecked mm. big sections of it and put this whole route together. Yeah, so much time and effort and energy went into to this actual exp- expedition that yeah, it's not something that people going forward can just kind of, oh, well, someone's done it, I'm going to go and do it now and you no. need to do your homework. And uh, one of the questions that asked w- that someone asked was, is he going to share the the roots with anyone and cut a long story he has a long answer for it but to cut a long story short no he's not going to be sharing it with anyone um there's a good reason for that i believe yeah and it all comes out yeah it also yeah, from my opinion it takes away from the whole process and the whole experience you know if you want to do something like this of this magnitude you have to live it yourself no one's going to do it for you um, and i think it's really admirable that he's not yeah i think that's in line with his answer as well it's like that's part of the process of completing this whole thing is building the route, actually having enough passion and drive yeah. and patience to for a whole year actually go and recce and build this whole thing. Um, it was yeah, it was amazing, amazing talking to him. It's really worth it. Um, it's he's such a chilled, nice guy to talk to as well. It's not boring. <laughs> so yeah, whether you're driving or running or whatever you're doing, like hang on to your seats. This is a, a really really nice one. Um, so, if you're sick of our voices, let's rather chat to Damien. Yeah, let's see what he has to say. Damien, thanks for joining us on the TMO podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, hey? Yeah, oh, man, geez, you just came back from an amazing adventure. Um, tell us a little bit about it. What, what did you actually do? So, uh, I've just run the, the length of the Cape, uh, Cape Old Mountains, uh, which turned out to be about a 1,136 k's and uh took 30 days nine hours and 29 minutes to to do and um yeah it kind of it it stemmed from me literally looking at a map and all of my like favorite places that i love to go to and then suddenly realizing that they were all on a this like same ridge line and i suddenly thought geez man if all of these places are so kiff like imagine what's sitting in between all of them and if you think of places like the like the, the Cedarburg, you know, and and then think of Ma- like Marloth or Otanequa or like all these different the hex, like they're all so different, and yet they're all all one, you know. So how does how does the one merge from the next to the other? Like what's the metamorphosis? Like what's yeah, because they're all connected. If you look on a map, you can see yeah, the range. Yeah, and then it's yeah, it's it's uh, and then and then I found like I did some research. And realized, geez, finding a like finding the purest line linking all of these 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 ridges together would be the most epic mission. And then it just yeah. And then I found out that no one had done it before, and I couldn't understand why. <laughs> and then and then like I got the yeah a bit of a firework like um, like stuck into me, and I was like, geez, man, I got to I got to do this now. Like it's like, geez. So when did you start planning it then? Uh, roughly a year ago. And then, uh, yeah, start like the idea kind of sprung about a year ago, and then early this year it became pretty pretty serious, and I started doing a lot of uh, recce's and buying mountains of maps and plotting everything. And yeah, I've um, seen some photos because uh, you had some people with you as well and sections of it. Yes, and I think it was Simon that took some photos of you in your apartment, and the mm-hmm. walls are literally just covered in maps. Yeah. 
that my entire it, it worked out perfectly so i started in one corner and i did an entire <laughs> loop with 52 maps all the way around my apartment and you had the whole route mapped out on your maps on the wall yes <laughs> wow and, I, and so that's what I, luckily i was living with a geographer at the time so she was pretty chilled with me totally redecorating the place like oh, this. that's super handy yeah and um yeah, yeah, but literally every single day I'd come home and I would just stare at these things and I'd analyze every little corner and work out like what kind of ridge line it could be and then what, I'd imagine what would be in a cloth and and then I'd go out and do a recce, you know, and find out what kind of um, what what kind of like vegetation there was and whether it was possible or not and then I'd make little notes and then if that kind of vegetation was in that cloth, would it change in the next one, you know, and... And would it be better then to like stay on the ridge or drop into the cliff? And like these, these kind of questions were just going through my head for months and months and months over this thousand kilometer like stretch. Yeah, it was quite an ordeal. That's amazing. I can imagine planning that had to be, had to be a proper mission on its own. Mm. Jeez. Okay. So Cape Ford Mountains. Yeah. So where, let's, let's talk about for those that don't know where it starts and where it finishes. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, we started... We, we we started up in the Cedarburg, and um, so the the start. So it's quite interesting. You've got the, you've uh, you've got the Great Escarpment, right, which starts way up in Namibia, and it drops all the way down the coast, swings around, becomes the Drakensberg, and then swings up the other side of South Africa. Then just below that, there's this little offshoot that's just detached from the the Great Escarpment, and that's the Cape Fold. And so in its own way, that starts very close to clan william and um so we we decided to start very very well um we, we decided to start there at the there's a we decided to make it a, a gate to gate run <laughs> so at the start of the um uh on on the top of the pakes pass there's a gate and okay. that was that that was our start we kind of slapped that gate pakes pass that's where you go that's where rockman's is isn't it Yes. Not. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Rocklands is like just down the other side, and then okay. um, yeah, but there's still like a whole bunch of climbing and bouldering in in Pakes itself as well. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then I did a bit of research, and the so the Cape Fold kind of from from the Cedarberg, which is a little bit all over the place, it kind of refines itself into a singular ridge, which kind of. Um, like culminates into the Langeberg, which is this ridiculous knife knife edge, which just goes on for as far as you can see, with lots of highs and lows. And the only way across it is because it's so steep and sharp and jagged, is to run across the top. And just right on the edge. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, that's it's fantastic. It's like real like cowboy country like you it's it's one of my favorite places and then that kind of pushes off that's that's Langeberg yes that's close to Robertson am I thinking of the right place yes 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 okay so that's the mountains if you're going from Robertson towards Ashton the mountain on your left yes yeah okay so that's Langeberg okay yeah and um yeah that's all correct and then that kind of like near the end of that that kind of reaches where the Otaniqua starts and at that point the ridge line kind of flattens out a little bit and then it becomes from there heading up to like around Uniondale it becomes a series of lower ridge lines 
and becomes these kind of like rolling rolling spines of of mountains with all of these like ribs that kind of come off it and the 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 so the terrain changes quite quite drastically because that's like small Karoo Klankarua area isn't it um uh Klankarua is um yeah closer to Montague kind of area okay yeah. and Did then but, that already? uh yes 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 okay. yeah so Montague is close to Robertson and um yeah we, so we actually dropped into Montague spent a night there and then Khrutkuru is like a little bit, little bit up from that. On the so other side. Yeah, yeah. So like, and also it goes all the way down to like Otsun and all that. And Jeez. if I've got my bearings right, yes. Okay. Um, and yeah, so we, we, we went past all of, all of that. But then, so the ridge, the Langeberg Ridge that I follow, it, it eventually peters out quite close to the coast. But then I need to, to get to the end of the, um, the range, I needed to like skip up a couple of ranges then and get to the the like one of the higher ones and then that pushed on to the uh, Grundal Nature Reserve on the border of Uteneg and there's a gate at the forest station there okay and that was what I touched to make the the finish line <laughs> okay you had that plan before was the gate to gate and you knew which which gates to actually go and touch yes yeah okay. so I did a yeah I did a hang of a hang of a lot of reckeys and uh, yeah, one of them was was down, uh, yeah, down to the Eastern Cape to check that all out, and it was yeah, it was a bit ridiculous. Like we drove all the way there, <laughs> and then um, pull into pull into the parking lot in this picnic area, and then um, I knew nothing about whether there were trails or bush and all that. And the one thing I didn't want was to have a, a hectic last day, you know. So I kind of so like I got out and I kind of missioned a bit up this cliff to try and you know see see what the finish would be like and i turn around and i just see this like smoke coming out of this uh out of the valley uh, and the smoke's just getting like bigger and bigger and bigger and i was like that doesn't that that doesn't look kosher at all and our car's parked right, right there, there. <laughs> and so we like turn around and we just i have this uh bolt yeah just bolt our down and sure enough the whole picnic area is just caught caught on flames and these rangers are running around like madmen trying to find us. And there's, I mean, this fire had come up to like within like meters of our, our so car. So the car was right there. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. And that was, that was the recce of the finish. It was like just watching the finish go up in smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and at that Jeez. point I was thinking, I was like, geez, is, is this a sign? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is not a good sign if it is yeah. a sign. Um, okay, so is this, it's not the same route as the... What's the other one called? Rim of Africa. The Rim of Africa. So yeah, so because the Rim of Africa is like a huge hike that's kind of on the same range. Yes. So yeah. Rim, Rim of Africa also starts in Pakes Pass, and it ends on the Robins, Robinsons Pass at Eight Bells, which is close to Mossel Bay. Well, the Robinsons Pass goes down to Mossel Bay. Okay. And um, uh, so I did. Um, so I suppose I mean, so I. I Rim wouldn't. I, I did approach them and try to see if they wanted to collaborate, but they're they want to keep a very much a hiking focus in their um, in their organization. So um, yeah, like a running or alpine style thing didn't really suit what what they wanted. So they they wouldn't share the exact route with me, but we followed the same the same range for the first roughly six hundred and fifty kilometers. Okay. Yeah, 
and it, it, is that how it works for them so they give you an actual route if you um well well yes yeah, so, well they do they do guided hiking tours okay. um so um every every year around this time also late well they're currently doing it so late yeah, september early october like that, yeah. um you you can hike with them either either a segment like a week-long segment and i think there are nine of them and or you can opt to do the entire thing which would be a 55-day hike from Pakes to to robinson's okay i see yeah i oh, said so it's guided i didn't know that i thought yeah. you can just kind of get the route and then do it on your own no 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 oh, it's guided. it has to be guided um, and it's an interesting, so they, they were kind of like the, in, in my opinion, they, they were kind of like the, the leaders in, in establishing the, this notion of the Cape Fold. Um, so there was a guy called um, Ivan Grunhoff who um, visited a, a Sangoma in 2004 to get some spiritual advice. And the Sangoma told him to walk into the mountains. And so he did that. And he ended up at the end of it. I think he also started in Pakes and like three or four months later, he had walked across four mountain ranges or something. And that was how, like, that was the starting block for Rim of Africa to start. And then in 2012, a National Geographic young explorer called Jay Simpson was the first guy to piece together in a single push from uh, Pakes to robinson's pass and um and then yeah and then that's kind of like how they but that uh, that was all hiking okay. and then so it was also like r- roughly a roughly a two-month period um big like pack hike big big pack you know that he'd be on his ace for a week or go with all of his food and all that and okay where, yeah. where was he from america american yeah and okay. yeah so um yeah, so I, I, th- that was like some of my first inspiration was looking at the um, what, what what they were doing, and then yeah, and then with a bit more analysis, realized that that's not the end of the um, the range, and damn, if you're going to do it, you might as well you know put in the extra not like, end in Muscle Bay, just go all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, not that Utenag is much better than Muscle Bay, but like, <laughs> but there's a lot of cool mountain in between. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a lot to do. Yeah, I hope I'm not insulting anyone. Then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, y- yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how it that's how it came about. Okay, geez, that's a huge project. Yeah, goodness gracious. So yeah, the the Rim of Africa is obviously the guided and his hiking trails. You yeah. opted to take the high route and go on your your own so, route. So how did that? What challenges did you kind of face in terms of navigation and finding okay. finding the paths and the actual the actual terrain? Was it slow going at times, or was it pretty? Was, yeah yeah open and not open yeah. but was it pretty obvious where the path was or not really for a lot of it there was no path um so it and and that's also i mean i suppose also i mean coming back to the rim thing like one of the reasons why they didn't want to take on running is that because they they looked into it a little bit and then said that it, it wasn't possible to run um but i mean i, th- I found the definitions quite vague like i um like my, my my concept was to go like fast and light like an alpine style i want to move as quickly and efficiently and fluidly as i can which is not necessarily running the entire time um so there's there's a hang of a lot to, yeah to, i mean terrain and weather were the two biggest challenges like categorically yeah because you face different i mean you've from snow to 
scorching heat yes. throughout the whole thing. We had everything. We had, yeah, like knee-high snow, hail, roughly 30-degree temperatures, um, lots of rain. It's like the the works, man. Mud, like like up to your. So just had everything thrown at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, I mean, the terrain as well. It's, I mean, everything. Jeez, I mean, I, I plowed through tens of kilometers of bush, like higher than my head, you know. And I mean, it's 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 impossible to run. You're moving at about a kilometer an hour, going full throttle, you know, and just getting ripped to pieces. That's exhausting then, doing that. Day. Yeah, it is. It's soul destroying, man. Like. Yeah, it, I can it, imagine. Yeah. I, I must say, like, I, I grew such a respect for paths at that point. Like, <laughs> I started thinking like a path, like only someone like Steve Jobs or God could cre- could create something as remarkable as a path because it made such a big difference <laughs> in my life like, when I eventually got onto it. Like, <laughs> like, Woo! Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then the other one was the, the like, rock faces. So, that, I mean, there's, oh, there, there was a lot of scrambling up and down um, faces, which which was also pretty pretty slow going and quite quite hair raising at times um yeah there's sure there, there there were a couple of sections where it's um well it's not climbed very much you know so it's very chossy and like like rock was breaking off in your hands or under your feet and and in a few sections you had a good like a couple of couple of hundred meter drops and, and no ropes to eh? think about what you were doing no Nothing, no, just, no ropes <laughs> just go and hang on for dear life yeah. just proper help yeah there was um yeah we we did consider taking ropes in in one section and um and then at the the last minute we decided it was so if that was also in a very snowy section and there was i'd wreck eat it and it was it was doable but i mean if there was snow or ice it it would definitely not be a good idea so we had we had backup ropes in case the weather was bad but as like panned out by the time we got there the, the, the snow had sufficiently melted and um yeah we didn't think there'd be a risk so we skipped them and yeah luckily it all worked out in the end because <laughs> I, th- I was speaking to simon um he was with you he was taking photos by the way if you're yeah. listening to this oh was that the guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weird oak yeah <laughs> he was telling me about a section i think it was close to um montiki yeah you guys had to drop down a ridge which is so that was apparently was this this yeah, section yeah you had yeah. the ropes yes wanted to use the ropes yes yeah that sounds was, very naughty yeah because i mean even like i've been on the mountain with simon a couple of times and you know i've never seen him worry about heights or anything mm-hmm. and he was like no i was probably stressing on this on this thing going down and he said he knew other people that just wouldn't even attempt it so this was, this was proper proper scrambling not yeah it, it's it's fun yeah so so that yeah that was that was the first big what was it called he did it's, he it's, did? it's, it's called the fenster bunk fenster bunk okay. yeah and um so it's it's interesting so you again so you come over this ridge line and it just drops off on either side super super steep and you mission 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 over this ridge you get to a section and suddenly it's just this like sheer drop and you're just thinking like what like, what do you do you know like um you either have to hike all the way back drop down all the way to the foot of the mountain and come around or you like chance it on the um on this face and i, I mean i've since found out that apparently there is a very narrow ledge um around the one side of it that you can find but we also you know you're also under time constraints and we didn't know where it was and uh yeah so it, it 
it, from an efficiency perspective, it made more sense to go with what we knew. Just do that. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's like the, I mean, it's huge. Like it's, it's, you climb down about a 15, a 15 meter section and then there's a small ledge and then just past that small ledge is a mega, mega, mega drop. So pretty intimidating part of the mountain then. Yeah. 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 So you kind of, and it's the, the down climb is a bit overhung. So you remember, and we also had backpacks on, um, that day. So you kind of like, you, you, um, um, you, you, you sort of like pull yourself over this ledge and then it's, you're like leaning back on your arms and just stemming a little bit on, on these two little walls. Um, with your backpack on with the back. backpack kind of like playing gravity on you that and sounds amazing you like look down and there's this like little ledge and if you if you hit the ledge you'll hurt yourself but you'll be okay getting out could be interesting but if you hit the ledge and bounce it's it's like tickets <laughs> and then so it's like it's full 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 concentration and like deep breaths and lots of trying to keep it together i can imagine yeah, yeah. Like not freaking out yeah jeez i am um, I grew quite a dirty mouth on this trip and it was from like situations <laughs> for, like this for a good just reason, coming man. up like every hour. But yeah, so you, you come down, you get onto this ledge and then it's, and then, and then it just continues. So then you've got like another like 15, 20 meter section, which you just go down to the next little ledge and then you take a bit of a breather and then, and then you go down again and again and again. And you just, you just follow this kind of pattern all the way down for, um, I mean, it's probably, maybe uh, 100 150 meters of just scramble scramble down you know get there then go down again and then again and then again i can imagine yeah. that's exhausting like having to reset on every ledge and then like okay mission to the next one mission to the next yeah one. and it yeah jeez and it, 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 it is and you just have this moment of like relief and you're like okay i'm through it and then you look down and you're like oh here we go again it's <laughs> <Just laughs> like deep breaths as and soon it, as your heart stops or st- starts beating normally you have to get yeah. going again. yeah the only thing the only thing more hard like like the only thing more psychologically tiring than that was like looking out across that ridge line and you see the ridge and it's this obvious exactly where you have to go and it's i mean it's, it's nuts in a 20 kilometer stretch there's something like 22 peaks and wow. and so you it, it just seems like never ending you know so and you can't see this if you're like driving in that area you can yeah it's um if you're driving out towards um uh yeah if, if you're driving out like towards like montague way you drive straight through the 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 ridge so that's where we actually dropped off for one one night was, okay, was, so it's was that in ridge right there Jeez. yeah and then we just so we um yeah dr- dr- came came down the left side camped out of montague the next day i went up the other side kept on going Okay, so next time you drive from Robinson to Montague, mm-hmm. look to your left. It's that ridge right yes. there. It looks, it's obviously way more intimidating than it looks. Because yeah. <laughs> from the road, I mean, it look, it's a big mountain. Those are pretty big peaks. Mm-hmm. But, it, but I can't remember thinking like, wow, that looks like an amazing ridge line. But it obviously... But it, I mean, it's deceptive because you're looking at it side on. So yeah, it, exactly. it just looks like a, um, a wall, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, from the top, it's just this perfect like a-frame cut thing Jeez, which is okay. which is magnificent yeah i mean we've and seen it, we've seen one or two photos of it already from simon because simon was with you that whole uh he, he was he spent a couple of days with me so he 
um, uh, uh, Jared Paisley and Amantu Plessis joined me for the start in the first day and a half. And then I think it was on day, it was on day five. Was it was no day six yeah. on yeah on, on day six um jared joined for one day and then simon uh simon joined for a couple of days and he followed for yeah he he followed for a good section of the langeberg from well okay. so f first for the hex and then for probably two thirds to three quarters of the langeberg he he stuck around with me as well and kept me sane yeah, <laughs> kept you saying, and made me run a lot faster because every time he pulled out his ca camera, I had to pretend like I was <laughs> like fresh and on the go. And I <laughs> anyway, I just go and if you're listening to this, just go and search on Instagram Simon Pocock. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be sharing links to it as well. And yeah. We'll be sharing the images that that he took. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be able to do that. Yeah. We actually we had yeah we he's on Mountain Room Stories as well, by the way. Simon Pocock. Just go search Simon Pocock, Pocock. And Jared Paisley as well. That's also amazing. Are you guys so, doing a film or what's happening? Yeah, now? we're doing a film. So, okay. I mean, wow. it was pretty, like, I couldn't believe how it all came together. But so, like, Jared had just filmed Ryan Sands running across Nepal. And then and then he comes back here and he's like, I, I really want to do this thing with you. And I was like, okay. Yes, <laughs> yes please. Because <laughs> Jared, is, he's been involved with Salomon TV films for, me, for like, a very long time. A better part of his career, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. That gives you an idea of his skill set, and it's a, he's he's an amazing creator. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was very privileged to have those two guys on board. Like they wow, okay. they've definitely upped the the scale of the project leaps and bounds. So did you film yourself as well? Um. Yes. Yeah. So because by the way, what do you do for a living? Let's yeah. just make that clear. So I'm also a photographer okay. and filmmaker. It's important <laughs> <Yeah>. to note. <laughs> and um. Yeah. So the the film we make is going to be sort of a, a co-production of of him getting like really killer beautiful stuff and then and then me filling in sort of more like story based stuff on the on the fly like from when I was on my ace and like you know the immediate like the immediate stuff of like what's happening all the time and all that and yeah um, well, I mean with, with storytelling like we had Andrew in the previous episode with storytelling I think that's so crucial to having that that raw kind of immersive feel of what it's actually like firsthand um, mm. I think you're gonna have some golden, golden content coming out of that. Looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, no, sure. I'm, I'm also super psyched. I haven't, I haven't um, seen any of the, the, the footage yet. Um, I've only just got, got back and downloaded everything. And okay, yeah, and you've I, literally been back for yeah, two last, days. Last <laughs> yeah. quite hectic for this you. Is yeah, this day, yeah, yeah. is day two. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, ooh, and just on that note, I just and we had a guy called Pierre Prince who filmed the finish as well. So we've got some. Okay, well, wow. so there's, a, cool there's stuff plenty from. of footage. Going that's going to come out of it yes 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 yeah amazing when is this going to happen <laughs> great question so <laughs> it's um jared and i both have sort of quite a few contracts on until the end of the year so okay. we're going to i mean it's my goal to push to have something out hopefully like early early next year and um okay. yeah maybe maybe oh, i'll man, skip christmas or something <laughs> <laughs> just going to the edit cave yeah Okay, that's going to be very exciting at Arusha. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. Okay, also, well, I mean, just touch on, you had the photographers following you mm -hmm. um, for a portion of it. For In terms of support, how did it work? I mean, you said you're going fast and light. Um, yeah. Where did you stay in the nights? And then how did you get food and carry carry everything? And Yeah. yeah. So th this was like a very big talking point because um, 
like a big part of like an alpine styled approach is that you have to be self-sufficient um but i'll i'll like moving over that kind of duration um of of distance and time you know it's physically impossible to carry um all of your own food yeah I mean, and all it's, of your it's own super supplies. unrealistic to carry everything for 30 days yeah yeah and and the, the catch as well is that you don't i mean you you pass through minimal towns and things like this i mean the outside of outside of my crew the people i engaged with in a month i can probably count on my fingers on one hand you know it's, it was wow. super rural so um the the best way that i could consider doing this was to map a route where i structured stages where i had access to a road and then i had a support vehicle with um uh that 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 followed me the the whole way and um the goal was to get from a a to b and then at at the collection so then i was self-sufficient for the entire day and then at the end of the day i had the opportunity to check in refuel um it also meant that i i didn't have to bivy very much i could get a, a comfortable night's sleep generally not much sleep but at least we were indoors and out of the cold and all that and um yeah so we most, mostly stayed in guest houses in little towns um along the way which sometimes were up to a two-hour drive from the start from the checkpoint where i had like tagged out yeah. that, that day um based on what was around us and then um yeah it worked out it, it worked out really well so it, um uh marion penso like joined joined me who's a physio like a physio as well so um when when my body started giving up i had someone that could like look look after me and okay make sure that you yeah. and the i mean the logistics of the whole thing were massive so and she took on all of that so i had someone like you know shopping looking after food like cleaning clothes like in liaising with everyone back in Cape Town on what was going on, sorting out permits to get into different places and like, and then just the driving alone, you know, like getting, getting to all these like different places that are generally on very outback, like little dirt roads and all that and was, was like unbelievably helpful and well critical actually. I, there's absolutely no ways I could have done it without, without that support. That's so great. Cause then it just allows you to, Focus on what you were there for. That's yeah. traverse. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then... Um, Would it be possible to do the whole thing completely unsupported though? Do you think there's an option? Um, it, 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 do you like know... Drop it, if that means dropping down more to get food along the way. It's, well, the thing is like, it's, it's, it's an option, but it, it's just very... It just seemed a bit contrived and unrealistic to me because you could... I mean, there's sections where you'd have to carry food for a couple of days, um, at which point you you're not moving fast and light. Then then you're as, then you're hiking, which is a different Defeating category. The thing, yeah. And then the other thing is that um, to drop down and get food, you, it would also turn into a one or two day side mission. Mm. And I mean, I'm already gone for a month. Um, do do I really want to spend an extra day or two in that? you know going off off the ridge to find some food just to turn around and go straight back up the other side okay. and and like it didn't yeah and it i, I, I mean I, I wanted to enjoy this as much as i possibly could was, in my opinion it's a once in a lifetime thing and so um if things were 
like an an unnecessary or um I I I don't I don't want to bother with them. So um yeah, this like having having being self-sufficient through the day with support in the in the um in the evenings like made made the most sense and especially taking on a a fast and light light approach to to getting through okay um so just also to make it clear you didn't like just start at sunrise and stop when the sun sets (laughs) no 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 this is i think because you're talking about fast and light you were going fast and light for like long periods as well yeah so i mean the average day was probably 10 to 12 hours um the longest day was 21 hours and there were there was one section and then we bivied a couple of nights and there was one there was one 48 hour mission where like things Straight through. yeah well uh, no 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 I, I bivied twice okay but it was only meant to be a single night bivy so I had I, th- I think I had food for 30 hours I had to stretch that over to 48 um Oof. And then there was also like water was the other thing like that day for the, well, on that section for the first 30 hours of missioning, there was no water on route. So I had like four hours to get through that first 30 hours and then top up and, um, and so that was like, that also became, um, a bit of a, like this, this like technical challenge, you know, it's like, where, where can you access stuff? And then where can you get water? Yeah. Yeah. So that has a lot to do with season, I guess. And that was actually one of the questions and, and when we talked about snow earlier. Johnny Lack on Instagram asked if you could uh, plan plan it again, would you choose the same season? Or would you do it somewhere? So, y- yes. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's so funny. So um, when I was planning and I was speaking to people experienced in this, everyone was saying September is the... September is the month when there's the most water on the mountain. So that's the time you have to go. So I was like, okay, cool. First of September, I'm going to go. Then <laughs> so I you based st- it on that. Yes. Yeah. Then I start and I end up in, on day two, I almost got hypothermia because there was so much rain. And then four days later, I'm sitting in knee deep snow and I start talking to people again. And they're like, oh no, you went far too early. You should go end of September. And then I was like, thanks for telling me now. But, um, but then as we, but then it is interesting because then as I, the, the cold and wet weather was very much only in the, the first half of the route. The second half was exceptionally hot. Yeah. So in, in that, in the context of the entire route, because the weather's so different in Cape Town versus PE, um, it, it made perfect sense to go in September because even though it was wet and cold in the start, at the finish I was hitting... You, you know temperatures over 30 degrees and so the longer i left it i would have had more days in super hot weather with no water on route yeah and that whole sec that whole winterhook section through grundel they're suffering a drought at the moment so water must have been a nightmare there yeah no it was it was it was awful like i i mean the last day <clears throat> the last day i hit really bad like the worst bush on the whole route and again like i think i ran out of water with I think like five hours to go or something like that. And that's, that's it. You know, (laughs) like you just, yeah. Um, you just, and then you're stuck in the mountains. There's no, nothing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst. I had, yeah. The the worst was on, on one of the reckeys. Um, I was also bivying and I, I went without water. Like I ran out of water and then I couldn't get any for 13 hours. 
and that was thirty uh, thirteen hours without water. Yeah, and yeah, yes. I just like you won't believe it. It's a special experience. I your can mouth, imagine. yeah, you you lose so much energy. Like you won't believe how fatigued you get without water, and then your whole mouth and all this just dries like dries out completely and. Your tongue starts like, <laughs> like it's stuck to your stuck palate, your and then you can't talk straight. And like you're already talking to yourself, and then you're like talking with a funny lift, you know, to yourself, and you already start questioning. Like, Why are you doing what that's you, crazy? What you're doing? I've never had to. Have you, Rory, ever had to go that long without water? No, no. no. Thirteen yeah. hours is crazy. That's a whole. No, I've, no, I've never had to do that. Yeah, yeah. Geez, I think and you learn a lot about yourself yeah. when you, <laughs> you run and out of water. That's on the recce, not even on the actual, not even actual route. That, that's why the reckeys were so essential, is that it, I learned so much from those experiences. And, um, and yeah, I mean, for me, this, the, this trip was always going to be about the reckeys. It was about l- knowing my backyard, getting out there, knowing it as well as I possibly can. And then the run was kind of like the test. You know, it's like I've done my homework, and now do, do I know enough to piece it all together like have i established myself sufficiently to take on an, an environment as diverse as this like pure man versus nature thing yeah. and just yeah put it you know, st- string it into one piece and that was yeah that was that was kind of like the challenge but wow. yeah the reckeys the reckeys were essential hey? okay so you didn't just like pick up a pack and go running for Four thousand kilometers. No, this no, no, was no. well planned, well recced. Yeah. I mean, I think I think we did the first recce in in March, and that's that, that's not including, you know, stuff I've done for years in other sections of the route yeah. uh, that I already knew. So that's yeah. a good point uh, that I think people should also know about you is that you've done many other like auto runs. You've done sky run and um, well, not? actually, I mean. I, I've attempted a sky run. I got altitude sickness and oh. had a 20, 25 kilometer walk of shame to Balak. <laughs> but um, no, I, like, so I've done, I haven't, I haven't done a hang of a lot of races, but I really, in, like, I, I really enjoy like making my own projects. So I'll, um, yeah, I love like, you know, like sitting, like scanning over maps and plotting routes and, this I love this 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 notion of like self sufficiency and in, in in the mountains. So okay. the idea of like getting out there, not quite knowing what's in front of you, and but you know you got to get to point B, and okay you've got, do I have everything I need? Have I thought about everything? Okay go boom, is it is it possible? And sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. Okay, uh, but you have some experience there. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for a for a good couple of years I've been. Doing this kind been of doing, stuff. doing good stuff in the yeah. mountains, and it's it's. I mean, it's 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 running and climbing and quite, yeah, mixed a mixed bag of activities, which I think all like aids aids a skill set that complement each other. That just helps when you're out there, actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, we worried about the physical part of it. I mean, in terms of like injury and, sure, but not by falling, but like, I don't know, tendonitis or. You know, ITB or stuff like that. What did you suffer from any of that? Did you get any? In- yeah. So going going into it, that is the last thing on my mind. I never never thought about it. And so the physical thing wasn't wasn't a, a hurdle for you at all. Was just you'll deal with it. No, I I mean I I imagined that I'd get pretty fatigued. I was I was expecting to be 
stupid tired, you know, for most of it. And, hurt, you know, hurting like you normally hurt in a 50k run or something. Um, but, yeah, so from day four, I... Um, so, well, it's a combination. So, it, it started off with me... Um, my my running shoes were a little bit shot when I started the run. So <laughs> Wait, talk, talk about that's a conversation in itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about the running shoes okay. after this. Yeah. So anyway, so but I can't. The running shoes have been. There was no stock of my shoes in the country, so I tried to bring in some from overseas. Didn't work out. Uh, they didn't get here in time. So I had to buy a pair of shoes which I don't normally run in, and they worked out pretty well for the first three days. But then I got a bit of plantar. I think it's plantar fasciitis. fasciitis, yeah, in my arches, which is like pretty sore. And then that, so I swapped out my shoes for my bust up ones like straight away. And then that got a bit better. But then I got this thing called um, uh, tenosynovitis, which is, um, it's inflammation of the sheaths that go around your tendons, which run up like the front of your foot. Well, from your foot up, up, up your like shin bone, and um, as as Doctor Pete Burning like pointed out, it's it's kind of like having like shards of glass like stuck on your tendons, and every time you move them, it's just this like scraping up and down, and um, and it was hectic. Like at the at 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 the so that happened on it started on day. Um, sorry, started on day four, like day five was one of the most excruciating like days of my life like my my ankles swelled up they looked like i had elephantitis and i couldn't i couldn't move my foot at all like it, it was just like stuck straight see where were and, you at this stage um at this point i had i was just leaving the co-bockerfeld and entering series okay and um yeah so it was crazy the, the absolute worst was a 10 kilometer stretch of dirt road leading towards the beginning of the hex and um and i just yeah i can't i can't explain this this pain it was just it was um it was it was ap- like absolutely like excruciating but at the same time i like i had to get to this this checkpoint because also so jared and simon were coming the next day and there was we were cro- i mean we're crossing the hex which is like we have to go over like 2000 meter peaks and there's freaking snow like that's knee deep and now I can't move my feet and there's this like super tight weather window there was I mean so that whole day I'd push through a storm then there was like I mean it was actually only meant to be a couple of hours the next day of no rain and then the next day it was raining again and we're just like I don't know like you don't want to be on top of the hex in snow yeah it's a dangerous place with when when there's rain and stuff coming down and um so like we, we like I had to I had to go and um, yo that was that was so hectic man because then also like when your when your feet are so swollen up you got no balance so um, like I was I was falling over all the all the time because every time I stood on a like anything that was slightly off um, you know off a centered ground like I just, I, I couldn't compensate and I just tumble over. And I mean, so it was, it was ridiculous. So we hit like one of the biggest mountains of the whole trip. Like I can't, I can't actually run. I'm struggling to walk, and now we have to like go into this these like ridiculous conditions. Because if you don't and know, the hex is is hectic. 
yeah. Like it's proper proper mountains. Yeah. And no, very yeah. yeah, those are just scary, scary mountains. Yeah. So yeah, so you I, don't want to go in there like not feeling hundred percent. Yeah. To to give you a, apparently the Hex Traverse race was that weekend, which I think a, a fair part of it's on Jeep track and it was actually cancelled because of the conditions. Oh, you're right, it was cancelled yeah. because of the conditions. Yeah, and then we had to go up no path. Which is this like knee deep snow and it was just Again, we we're just thinking like, what, like, what are we doing? Like, is this yeah, this is stupid. But, <laughs> yeah, but if we don't, if we didn't do it, we'd be stuck in Dudurns. Like at that point, we would have been stuck in Dudurns for a, um, no, no, sorry, not Dudurns series. We would have been stuck in series for like another two days or something, and like that wasn't that wasn't an option. It wasn't an option. No. So what happened with uh, your feet? And did it go away the next day? Because yeah. this was day five, you said. Yeah, so another super beneficial having a physio on board with us. Um, so I was told that it's, it's inflammation of the sheath. So I'm not going to do any serious dam- damage. I'm not going to like rip muscles or tendons. It was just a matter of pushing through the pain and then running myself fit. So um, and treating it and then treating it in the evenings. So literally for and this carried on for the majority of the trip. So that was day was that day five um i literally i had a forced rest day after that after the hex because it was so hectic try to get the inflammation down okay and then from that point on i was i had issues every single day until day 29 ironically or 30 yeah it, like in the last two or three days it started like easing up amazingly and i was like come on guys like, why, why now yeah but um uh, yeah, but I mean, it was crazy. So I'd literally, I'd, I'd, I'd finish my stint, drop to anti-inflammatories, get a, get a, um, a massage. Um, then I'd stick on compression socks and ice my feet, kick my feet up above my head, um, to get the blood flow down. And I'd, I'd sleep like that with my like feet raised above my head, which is like not the most comfortable thing. No, I can imagine. <laughs> and then. And then I'd, 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 in general, I normally sleep on my side. So I'd wake up in this like funny pretzel, you know, like kind of like all <laughs> like buckled over. Yeah. Sleep like a cat. Yeah. And I mean, normally we'd finish the preparation at midnight and then we're waking up at five. So it's like five hours of pretzel sleep. And then you like <laughs> back at it, you take one or two, you know, like, like gentle steps to see how good the feet are that day. And then, yeah, and then you start and you... Just yeah, going. just try, try so, like. So, did your body kind of get used to it eventually? Apart from the last two days where everything worked out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, so it, it did kind of register eventually that you are not going to stop, and it needs to get used to what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, it did. So, I mean, the 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 treat the treatment in the evenings was essential. And that helps. And then, and it also like it's it's funny you learn to. Once you have a routine, you normalize things. So, like the 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 pain also became this just this day-to-day occurrence it is just it is like having it was like dealing with your boss at work you know it's it's painful but you kind of get on with it and you just, just do it, it just like goes away. yeah and um so like pushing through i had a lot of that and then yeah in the last in the last couple of days like things started bouncing back like you won't believe um and i could start like opening up my strides again and um yeah feeling steep downhills were still i started to watch myself i suppose that's where there was a lot of impact and a, a sharp angle of the foot um but yeah no i definitely started running a lot faster in the in um in the second half well in in, in the in that last 
sort of week, half week or so, things progressively it's got better. It's time to get fit. So you could have added on some more. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's interesting because there's, yeah, my body definitely adapted, but it was, I lost all of my, um, like, speed and power, like, that I, that I used to have. So it was like, I, I, was, I was very comfortable in this, like, steady pace, but okay. I couldn't, I couldn't sort of drop it full throttle. Like, it wasn't race pace. No, no, no. Have Can you it? been for a run since? No, I haven't. Not actually. I'm How, like, how's the body feeling? Have you recovered at all, or? Yeah, so I'm feeling like I've, I'm definitely fatigued. Like I get, I've been sleeping like you can't believe. Like it's, um, I'm regularly like very tired. Like I reach a point in the day and suddenly my head just like drops. Um, I can feel my my tendons are still a little bit tight, but I'm moving very comfortably. Um, uh, last weekend I, I did a very easy rock climb. That that went well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you do like any specific like strength training or anything very specific for this? Nah. No, you just kind of. Um, I no. I mean, in, I just for for me it was about putting in distance. So I just wanted to um, condition myself to being used to being on my feet like all day every day, and which I clearly didn't do enough of. But I think what it, I, I definitely helped help myself along the way, a, f- a fair amount, in the build up. It did help a bit. Yeah. Again, okay. I uh, think let's go back to the shoe topic. Uh, yeah, I almost <laughs> forgot about the shoe. That topic. was that was a talking point among all of us back home watching you have these shoes duct taped every day. Because there were photos. Burn holes in them. How did that happen? That's a very long story. <laughs> yeah. Start with what type of shoes though, because also you said that you couldn't get them here. Yeah, so I was, I was running in um, uh, La Sportiva Helios SRs, okay. um, which I, I... For those that don't know, the Helios SR isn't much of a shoe. It's, it's quite a minimalist, very soft, no rock plates shoe. For, so for yeah. this kind of thing, it's not... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, most would call it like a very light racing shoe. It's... it's I, I, it's not really made for for this kind of stuff, but it, it's what I'm comfortable in, and I, I really like having like contact with the ground and just feeling what's beneath me and all that. And so it's it's super close to running barefoot, um, and they they're super grippy, which is yeah. nice for scrambling and all that. Um, but yeah, they they're very difficult to get in the country. Um, so whenever I've got a friend coming in from overseas, I kind of place an order and get it delivered to their house and they kind of bring it through. And But as luck has it, yeah, there was an issue with the postage this time around. And, ah. um, yeah, but so it was... It is, so on one, of, on one of the recce's that I did, it was, it was a bit of a stuff up. Um, I, I kind of like I was looking at a map and I kind of plotted out this route and I was all very cool and I had a rad um, road trip planned with my friend Rasmus who's a um, he's a he's an also loves the mountains big climber and a radio journalist and um, so he was going to like mission along and then drop me in at point A and then find a cool coffee shop in some dorpi and like do some editing and then pick me up in the evening and it was going to be rad so I, f- I find this one section um crossing this one range and on the other side there's this big regional road like a big thick road on the map and i'm like that's awesome you know that's a great place to get picked up and i map it out and there's you know like a nice it was like a 50k 55k crossing to get to that road so like a a a decent day day out you know 
And um, anyway, so he drops me off and like, off I go, I'm super stoked. And, um, but there was, oh, but part, the first part of the road went through, which we didn't see on the map, uh, went, has become private land. So there's a big gate, he can't drop me off. So we like kind of looking at the maps in the car, realize, yeah, no, this, this isn't right. And, and then in the hype, I'm like, well, what do, what do I do? I need to check this out. So I quickly rush off and I just jump the gate and run, you know, to, to get going. And in the process, I forget my maps in the, in the car and there's like no reception, like for this whole section. And then, so I start like self, um, I have to like, so it's like self navigate, like through this thing. And I had a, uh, just before we went out of reception, I managed to get a, a satellite image on Google Maps of the area. So I've got this like little phone size image that won't, uh, if I increase or decrease the size, it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't pick up any more de- detail. Just pixelates. Yeah. So I'm like kind of like running with this, trying to work out where I am. And, um, and anyway, so I'm going and then I end up getting stuck in a, going off path, getting stuck in a cliff, realizing that. The, in theory, the cliff goes all the way to the road, but there's so many like twists and turns and it's becoming highly rocky and I'm going slowly and it's, and at this point it starts getting dark and I realize, nah, this is, um, um, not working out. So I'm missioned up onto a ridgeline to try and find a road and I was lucky I, I spotted a road, but it was on the next ridgeline. So I had to drop all the way back down the valley, right. scream up the other side to get there before dark and then... I found this road which took me all the way down to the the regional road um and the so like I cruised down there get I got there at seven thirty Rasmus was going to pick me up at five so I'm two and two and a half hours late, but we had this agreement that if I wasn't there, he'd kind of drive up and down to see if I hadn't stopped at other places and um and if yeah, and anyway, if we don't have that well then we make we'll work it out <laughs> we know each other quite well um but so i wait for an hour no he doesn't come so then she i decide okay right i need to i need to um do something about this so i make a big sign in the road saying rasmus with a big arrow and it was a 50 kilometer slog back to our campsite from there so there's going to be a long night out and <laughs> it's pretty cold but i'm like well there's no option way. and i'm not going to sit in the freezing cold with my little space blanket and poly shorts you know like <laughs> feeling sorry for myself so um start missioning and um a couple of kilometers down the road i see a little like light on in a in a in a house i'm like oh cool you know so maybe there's some people i can make a Making phone call and i'm i'm on a I'm on a regional road so i'm not in, in any parks or anything like that this is this is Bavianscliff okay and um so i'm like oh i'm i'm like not in a park i'm on a road so it's got to be okay um and so i walk in and of course it's a ranger's hut and um i walk in and i'm like hey dudes you know can got got a bit lost on my run can i make a phone call <laughs> i've made a boo-boo <laughs> yeah and these guys look at me with like blank faces they just don't know what's going where on where did he come from yeah they're like where did you come from and i was like and i start making up a story I was like, no i just came down the road i was going for a run and he's like which boom did you come through and I was like, I didn't see a boom. <laughs> oh, no. And apparently, yeah, what we didn't know was that it's like the whole area is National Park. And oh, no. um, they've stuck up booms on either side of this road for a 70-kilometer stretch. 
And that's why Erasmus couldn't, oh, no. couldn't, couldn't get in. Couldn't get in. Yeah, because you need a four by four. We've got a. I drive this little Hyundai Gets called Tupperware because it's an Englishman's <laughs> bucky. <laughs> and um, he's good on dirt roads, but he definitely can't do that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a bit and, and it's it's after dark, so they're not letting anyone in. And so I'm stuck. And then they start interrogating me as to like where I'm coming from and da 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 and all this. And, um, yeah. And then the next thing they say was, well, we got to take you off to the police station. And, um, they were, um, they assumed I was a, a rhino poacher. Yeah. And the poly shorts and a space blanket. Yeah. 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 And I, so I'm, I'm now officially registered with the Graf Renet anti-poaching unit. <laughs> and, <laughs> but anyway, so these guys like, I mean, it's so absurd. Yeah, I mean, here's this dude, middle of the night, you know. I guess, why would you approach them in the first place if yeah, you were not, a poacher or yeah. if you had any yeah. plans? Yeah, no, I mean, it's stupid. And they parade me into the police station saying, we got him, we got him. Oh, I was like, what did you get? I knocked on your door, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Come anyway, on. but um, yeah, so, so there's like long interrogation. They take me to the um, police station. Then they send an anti-poaching unit to our campsite to interrogate Rasmus. Um, did they really go full out yeah full out and then um, but it's so fun but they got nothing they got like nothing on me you know so it's but they don't want to let me go so we're in the Bavians police station which is the nearest town is Willowmore which is 90 kilometers away and there's just like nothing in between you know like so I can't really go anywhere um, and but then I mean at the end of all of this which ends at like two or three in the morning or something you know they they can't they can't arrest me because they got no proof they all they can all all they've got against me is that i was in a national park without a permit so they charge me um but then they don't know what to do with me so they send me to they put me in the back of the rangers bucky and send me to the the boom on that side of the park and I have to like sleep with these security officers like at the boom. <laughs> what? So the three are, like myself and these two security. Well, first I was the, they they were like finishing their shift, so they would made this big bonfire, and I'd run through a river shortly before I got, well, I and like knocked on these guys' door. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my my shoes and all this were sopping wet, so I took them off and I put them next to this these like these coals to to dry off okay. and left them there for the night. And then the next, like, anyway, and then I went and, like, spooned up with these two security guards <laughs> in a Wendy house for the night. And woke up the next morning and this guy had, like, thrown more wood onto these embers and started a bonfire and hadn't taken the shoes away. Oh, man. So when I got up to go, <laughs> I picked them up and my shoes just melted to my fingers. I <laughs> know. Oh, I was like, what the hell is going on here? And, um, yeah, anyway, and that was, like, my one, it was, like, a brand new pair of shoes. I had, like, 150K in them or something like that. Oh, okay, because that's the that's, photos that we saw were like these burnt up. Yeah, yeah. Las Portivas with, with like holes in yeah. them, and yeah. So when I couldn't get my when I couldn't get a new, um, uh, a new pair, then yeah, then I had to start doing some home jobs to fix them up. <laughs> and wow. um, and uh, but you did eventually get another pair. Yes. Amount sausage yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I don't know how he managed but Amant found a, the only pair of Helios 2s which are like very very close to the SRs and um, so he got he got me a pair of those okay and which was from I think it was fine online in Hot Bay and um, yeah man that that saved my bacon hey like the I mean so I, I had two pairs of Helios 
I had the melted pair and the other pairs got about 2,000 kilometers into them. I've, the, I've worn through the sole into the foam and you can, if you stick your fingers in, you can feel your fingers <laughs> like through the sole. And it's like, those, those, are, those are my options with just short of a thousand kilometers left to run. Not, not ideal no. for the expedition. No, no, no. It's the worst way to start. Um, anyway, so yeah. So, I mean, a month was like my fairy godfather that, that trip. I also, I broke my, um, my GPS watch broke. He organized a, like another one for me as well. And without that nav, I also would have been like pretty stuffed. Okay, yeah. Wow. Goodness. And so um, if you're doing an expedition of any kind a monster guy to have he's he's got yeah. experience and he yeah he knows how to hustle it's he amazing. knows how to hustle i think yeah. that's his thing eh yeah right jeez okay and he's always up for a good adventure <laughs> he is a yeah. yeah we must actually get him on the podcast as well he'll day. he'll have great stories for you because yeah. he's done some really really gnarly races mm-hmm. proper long his latest one was not hard rock he's done one since then else 900 i think that's what it's called yeah he did that that was like last weekend or something yes and he's actually, he's still there. He's planning on doing another one this weekend. Of course, course he is. is. I yeah. think our might works with batteries, I've noticed. Yeah. I think he just swaps them out and then just keeps going forever. Yeah. yeah. So I might be going to have you on the podcast at yeah. some stage. Yeah. By the way. Should okay. we jump into some questions? We do have some questions. A lot of the questions, it seems like there's other oaks like trying to do it or want to do it mm. as well. What is your opinion about that? And um, the reason I ask is because, uh, let me just quickly... See so you asked that. Um, I think it's is it. I might pronounce this wrong. It's either Stian or Steen Bester. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on Instagram, he asked how much of it was on private property, and did you have to get permission, and was there permits involved? And so it's um, yeah. So that was that is a major a major issue of the whole trip. Um. That's where that's where Rim of Africa holds power. Is that for their 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 route covers just over a hundred properties, and they've got permission and access to go through all of that, which okay. is so. Um, and and that's why they're a strong power. Um, and many runners have approached them um, to collaborate, and everyone's everyone's been turned down. Um, okay, so they so want to stick to their hiking they, guided hikes. Yes, that's 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 their vibe. Um, so with me, I, I mean, I was just the first person that said, well, I'm going to find a way to do it anyway. And so the, in, in, in the opinion I took was um, wherever there were permits that were accessible, I got a permit. And where I passed, where, where, wherever I passed a, a, a house or a place where there's human engagement, I would ask permission. And... In a, in sections where I, no one would ever know I was there, well, I was probably never there. Yeah. Okay. But and I guess the the best is to just go and ask permission. Yes, but you're looking at a, like for the entire route, you're looking at a couple of hundred like big? phone calls to to do that. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's a big. So this bigger. isn't just. A, I mean, basically, I think to answer the question, it's not just a a ridge line. In the wilderness, there are some properties, and you yeah. do need permission. It's not just the GPX file that you download and go and follow the route. Like no, you've been no. planning this so, for over a year. Yeah. Please don't yeah. just go and attempt this without actually talking to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And it's, I, I must say, like, I'm not, like, another thing, like, a, I mean, on that note, like, it was funny, like, when, when Rim didn't want to help, I was a bit bummed, and then 
through the process, like I grew such a affinity for like route finding and, and, and navigation and plan, like planning this kind of stuff. And I realized like, this is actually like a major part of this trip. Like if anyone wants to do this, like I don't, it's, it's difficult, but it's meant to be difficult. And I think, I think the, the, I think it would get totally stuffed up if we had like hundreds of people like pushing missioning over missioning over so it's uh, i mean in my opinion i would like to keep this to like an exclusive group of people that are willing to put in the time and effort to learn the terrain learn the environment and like take it on on their on their ace on their own because that's part of the process is actually yeah i mean filling your apartment with maps and yeah yeah and figuring out through it so that that actually fits into the next one and this is from stefan val who we had on episode one or episode two the very first very first first, and this was just after he did the grand traverse with amant which is yeah yeah which is also and he asked and this is his words would you be honored or irritated if people follow in your footsteps and ask you for gpx files and other logistical information um it's i mean i i can't stop people from trying to do it and i mean from i I, it's natural that once something's been done others are going to want to do it so i mean my i'm not i'm i'm ironically i'm actually going to take on rim's approach and also not hand out gpx files but in but i think my approach if someone was yeah, so n- none of my route I'll ever make public, but okay. if but if someone was super keen to do it, um, I'd I'd probably end up saying like, go out and do some reckeys, um, and then come back to me and like we'll have a chat, and so like so you know like I I know for me after my first recce like, I came back very wide eyed and I realized that this was like freaking serious um, and it needed a lot of homework and. Um, but at the same time, I was absolutely hooked, and I'd I'd really appreciate for anyone else that wants to do, to do this to like have that same experience. Yeah, it's. I think that that'll be part of the whole experience as well. Yeah, for like sure. Like you said, man. I mean, you lining your apartment with maps and yeah. figuring it out yourself. It kind of indirectly makes it an exclusive club. Yeah. That yeah. if you want to do it, do the work and don't just you're not just going to get a GPX file handed to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that comes naturally. If you're truly passionate about doing something like this, and then those things wouldn't be a hurdle. It wouldn't be a mission because that yeah. is part of a journey like this is going through the route yeah. and planning and wrecking. And, and you come out with like, I find like when things are difficult, you, you, first of all, you come out with like way more skills um, and knowledge. And I think there's a lot of appreciation for where you're going through that comes th- through with that time and effort spent as well. So it's, I mean, it's, I mean, some might consider it a less, but I think you'll come out with way more value at, yeah. at the end of it. Yeah. Okay. Stefan, you uh, you have to go basically do this on your own. Yeah. <laughs> He's the last resort. Um, then this is from Joshua Weiss. And it's pretty, we've touched on a little bit, but I think let's point it out as which was the, the roughest terrain and what was the most challenging part? Um, roughest, roughest terrain was definitely the the langeberg okay so this is the long ridge you were talking yeah yeah so i mean cedarberg is like pretty pretty nicely groomed for me the the 
proper adventure started in the Kohbokafelt, um, which is where the trails and all that kind of end. And then you end. It's a very interesting place to navigate because you know if you look at contours, you can kind of judge how close they are together as to how steep things are. But in that environment, there are a lot of fluctors that increase gradually and then have a, like a rock face that'll go up like 10 15 meters so it's not about just floating over a hill like you actually have to go through these like corridors and things which became becomes quite mazy um and then so that was that was technically challenging but then the roughest terrain was i'd say langeberg there's a lot of like there's a lot of like very thick bush and then when you get onto those ridge lines it's it's full on scrambling and um so you just uh, it's it's mentally tiring because you're kind of watching like every foot you know it, like you can things can go wrong like with every step that you take and it's just concentrate concentrate and then and then dodging yeah dodging these um like thickets of protea bush and all that where if you get stuck in those like that's like you literally drop to like a kilometer an hour and and then the thing is like every day is a race to finish before dark because then as soon as it gets dark the whole game changes and slows down even Even further so i mean i mean very often there's a difference between like you'll finish at 7 p.m or 6 p.m you know just as it's getting dark and then there's no such thing as finishing as like 8 or 9 p.m it's a finish at like 11 or 12 that night and um so it's um yeah like i mean also yeah things just go yeah go so like also like Bokerfeld, like i so the day before i'd cut the route short by 15 k's because i almost got hypothermia um so then the next day i tried to catch up that 15 k but like ran into the dark there and there was like in two instances i ended up on these cliff faces which were unforeseen because of the contour thing i was just telling you about yeah and then you end up like down climbing a cliff face and like by torchlight you know like not knowing where the hell you are and it's that's not ideal and it's yeah like you, you start you suddenly start thinking like geez this is like it's real and if i could see more you know then maybe i can at least judge it like judge a little cliff or slurt or something i can get down and but yeah. no you're on this like flipping face and like heart you know your heartbeats like almost knocking you off the wall like, <laughs> <laughs> like, so, like all day gone. yeah uh, the Langeberg, there, there is a, there's a route or Langeberg Traverse. That's a thing, isn't it? Um, I haven't heard of the Langeberg Traverse. Um, there's so it's, it's quite interesting. So, but there's, I've I've come across a, a handful of sections, uh, a handful of people that have done a section from Arankis Kopat. Um, but then another another reason. But then like on the other side of Montague. Um, that's that ridge line is the one that um has no water had no water for like 30 hours oh. i mean i've done it i've done it twice now and i've been benighted both times um just because it's so like um aridus or oh, not arid, just like rough hard terrain um and it's interesting that that was another reason for doing a fast and light approach is because like a lot of um like if if you're going slower, you can't carry enough water to get to that next, like the, the first river. So yeah, very very often hikers will like drop down and then come around. Whereas moving fast and light, you, I had a lot more ability to get up onto the ridge line, and once I got there, I could stay there until the end. Um, okay. Just have a bit 
a few drohies at the <laughs> by by the finish line. <laughs> yeah. Okay, some okay. more questions. Um, <laughs> these are the not so serious questions, and this one is from Lisa Marie, aka Lachis. Uh, people that know her, Forks Framed on Instagram. She says, <laughs> "How many hair elastics did you take with you? Because you have long hair, <laughs> also have long hair, and that is a thing." <laughs> Becoming um, a trend on this podcast, we're interviewing people with long with hair. With long hair, yeah. Um, so, you know, I took a... I actually, I did damn well. Um, I t- so, my, my trick was to take a hair elastic that didn't have a metal clamp in it. Because they snap there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They always, like, snap and rip out. So, I, I got this, like, elast- like solid elastic-y one. And um, I bought, I think, a pack of 10 of them that sat in the cubbyhole. And I had one. This actually, I think I'm wearing it now. Yeah, this is it. This one came with me. Oh, the these whole. are amazing. I have one of these on as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's just black. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, so this, this lasted me the, the the whole way. Yeah, which I was, was pretty impressed about. Okay, Lisa Marie, if you want it, we'll send you a photo of the, of these hair elastics because they're really lost. Guys, this is so fascinating. I'm really I've, had, I've had mine. Your, my girlfriend gave me this. Like I used to use the same ones with the little metal thing yeah. and they just snap all the time. Well, and she gave me this, I think like f- five months ago yeah. and I still have the same one. Yeah. It just never dies. Do you know? Yeah. And then do you know what I found, which, which was pretty funny was, um, um, it catches my, it catches my hair, that little, the edges of the clip. Oh, yeah. So then I started getting these dreadlocks forming across <laughs> my, um, the, the clip and then that started holding them together, but it started becoming pretty rank because I literally had this like, dreadlock hairband that i was oh, like no. trying to run around with that people like if i turned around people would not look at me the same way oh, <laughs> like when different like, vibe at the back yeah 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 <laughs> your hair elastics is a thing rory learning yeah. something new every yeah. day yeah. <laughs> uh she also asked where well, would you do a duo mission with robert lebrun you know robert right i've never met him actually oh my word yeah robert um, we had it on the podcast episode two as well the brundle episode two or three he's three. Really, yeah Oh, so you guys have never met? No, I've, I mean I've 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 heard he's done some epic stuff, but it, yeah. So he ra- he the did we speak to him before he left? I think we did. Yeah. He ran from Cape Town to Addo, yeah, to raise funds for elephants. So he's and then finished the hundred miler. Uh, and then yeah, he and ran then, to go and run a hundred miles. Yeah, because Cape Town to Addo is not far enough. <laughs> no, no, obviously that's, not for him. Yeah, he's on another ridiculous. level. Um, well, would you do a duo with anyone? I guess. Yeah, so this was meant to be a duo. I was, yeah. I was meant to run with Amant, um, nice. but at the last minute he had some work issues that came up and he couldn't couldn't see it through. And wow. at, at that point, yeah, I was, I was I was just too committed. I wasn't pulling out, so that's how it became a solo mission. So um, oh, okay. And um, yeah, but I mean, I, I'd be very selective over the person. I, I can I, imagine. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I took with me on something like that, but I'd totally do it as as a duo. Okay. Yeah, I would totally take. So a that, that brings up my next question: Is would you do it again? Yeah, I would. Would There's, you do it the other direction? Um, Backwards. It, it's it's so funny. Like I mean, it's. It has to be a completely different experience. It, I'm imagining. It would be a totally different experience. The interesting thing is that you'd 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 um like uh, like um from the Otaniqua it's it's much easier running so you do a lot more of the easy stuff easier stuff in the beginning and then hit the hard stuff when you're more fatigued and i think there'd be a little bit more uphill because you going from the coast more inland more um 
they're one or two, depending on your route, they're one or two s- sections where up climbing some stuff would be more challenging, I think. Um, I mean, I think it'd be worth a mission. Like, But for some reason in my gut, it just feels right to go from, from top to from bottom, le- yeah. top to bottom, left to right. Um, but that'd be an option. Um, I've got... Like the objective of this was always to get to know my backyard better. Ironically, I've come back with a list of things and places I want to explore. That's ten times longer than when I started this. Because so, now you've just actually realized how big your backyard is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, by drawing a straight line, you also there's a hang of a lot of stuff that you miss along the way. So, um, so it could be pretty cool to do do it again, but take a slightly different route and okay. put a few more challenges on 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 the way um or or just, just make sure you have the right shoes y- yes 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 yeah no i've got <laughs> <laughs> i've not, i've got two pairs coming in now <laughs> to, to make sure that but um yeah no I'd, I'd, I'd totally do it again there's so much more to to check out there it won't get boring okay. yeah geez i can imagine okay the most important question from pete collitz and this is he asked just how good was that beer at the finish yes <laughs> it was um yeah it was it was unbelievable hey um yeah jack jack black sent a, a few beers down um and awesome. yo we I, I i inhaled it like i looked like because that was like, was that the first beer you had the whole n- no no um okay. but beer was part of the carbo loading okay, um, strategy like on on a few days um but yeah, man, literally, if there was, if there was like either a beer flavored Steri Stumpy or a Steri Stumpy flavored beer, it'd be like a man, like I literally, like I, I had one in each hand. Um, so, so you finish, you come into a picnic area and then it's a four kilometer um, push on a dirt road to the boom. And I was, I was so fortunate, man. Like my, um, my family and closest friends came down to see me at that picnic That's area. Cool. And they they handed me this like this beer and this like Steri Stumpy and I hadn't I'd run out of water I hadn't drank anything for like four hours or five hours or something, and I just like I like simultaneously just like oh. <laughs> siphoned these things down just my throat fell down your yeah. throat, and like yes I was just like over the moon <laughs> like so stoked. Yeah, I can imagine. Who who did your Instagram and who was busy with that? Because that's how we followed. Someone did an amazing job with it. Yeah, so it was um, my sister. My sister works in marketing. Oh, that's and handy. Yeah. You've and got a lot of handy people in your life, I've noticed. Yeah. no, Fijos, people in marketing. Our mind's I, a pretty handy guy to have around. Yeah, no. And it, and this would have been impossible with, um, without like any of them. And, it, and well, I'm, I'm, well so I suppose you don't need... Actually, no. I mean, even the marketing was like essential. So like, I mean, I had this other... Um, yeah. I mean, my sister just... She kind of didn't even ask permission or ask. I didn't even ask her. She just said, "Well, this is what I'm doing," and and I got on with it. But because um, that was but, so, that was a nice part. We, I mean, every day you saw posts somewhere, yeah, of you yeah. doing something. And it yeah. was really, really cool to yeah. to follow. Yeah. And yeah, and like actually, like the marketing was essential because like I had this one. I had one like on day one. My, I had bought a whole bunch of socks and. My like this brand new pair of socks ripped over my big toe, and like the big toe stuck through, and I ended up getting these like chronic blisters um, from from the you know the hole in the sock, like okay. rubbing friction, and and yeah, I threw I, I, I don't know what she did, but the next thing we knew, we had like like a box of Belega socks like getting getting shipped to us, and like 
And that, like, totally saved my bacon as well. Like, didn't have a, a single blister for, like, the rest of that trip. Like, um, sure. so even, I mean, even the market, like, I mean, I mean, some would argue you don't need a marketing campaign, but it, it, it actually, it, it helped me in situations like that. It helped with the shoes as well and getting the, getting that sorted yeah, out. It was value because the shoes, I think, was like, went a little bit viral for yeah. that too. Like everyone saw your shoes. Yeah, no. <laughs> everyone. And like the worst part is no one had answers. We're like, I was, I was relieved when I saw these... that nice brand yeah. new shoe. So oh, we just saw these terrible pair of shoes and no one could figure out or tell us why the hell they look like this. Yeah. And then like two days later, it was like, hey, thank God he has, he has new, yeah. we don't have to chase anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, geez, yeah. they're keeping it interesting. Yeah. So yeah, Megan Schumann, if you want expedition social media, man, like, is that how to, okay, we yeah, get she, hold of her. Yeah, on, she on did an amazing job. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, man, for sharing yeah. your experience. Thanks for doing it, like, because that's pretty inspirational. Like, yeah. This is something that's been in the, on our backyard, and yeah, I didn't think that someone would go and do it. So, just well done. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much. I, yeah, I must say, like, I, I mean, I felt so lucky when I found it because I couldn't, I couldn't believe no one had, had pieced it together and it's like right under our noses and. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens from here. And yeah, so yeah we, we look forward to following this. And I mean, and the film. Very excited to see when very the film comes, when film. it does come out. Um, so anyone that's listening, obviously keep your eyes and ears peeled for when that gets launched early next year. We're hoping, um, and then we'll be sharing more more stories about it in in the description. Um, go check it out. Go check out some photos that Simon shared. Yeah, yeah, and, and we'll we'll share all your social media. More, posts. Yeah, more importantly, where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, Instagram's most active at Damien Schumann. And um, yeah, and then my photography and film works all up at dspgallery.com. dspgallery.com, okay. Okay, we'll share a link to that as well. Go and follow that. Thanks awesome, so Damien. much, man. Thank Great. you. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Damien, for chatting to us. That was an incredible story, incredible conversation as well. Um, you know what? We are so lucky talking to these people because like we on the podcast it's like 40 minutes or an hour and 20 or whatever but we actually are there for two three hours talking about other things and engaging and yeah it was really refreshing chatting to damien about how he goes about his day-to-day life and and also chatting to him about his other not passion his job and well, passion which is photography um and hearing the projects that he's done in the past just really inspiring chatting to like-minded people like him yeah um so thank you so much for listening. Um, remember to head over to Apple Podcast. Just search the Mountain Room. You can subscribe there so you don't miss out on anything. Otherwise, just go onto the website. It's tmr.media. You'll find everything there or the Mountain today. They're both the same. They go to the same page. Um, and then obviously on Instagram and Facebook, we're there as well. The Mountain Room. The Mountain um, Room. Easy to yeah. We'll be sharing visuals on those platforms for you guys to see. So we do often share stories and works of the people that we've um, interviewed or just people that have an association to the the mountain room. Um, And if you have any stories or work that you would like us to share or any events that you'd like to, to discuss or share, let us know and we can, we can punt them and hopefully we can get involved. Um, Thank you so much so far for all your questions and support and just everything. Yeah. We dig you guys. See you in the next one. (laughs) 